and welcome to the Popcorn Junkies. We are reviewing Renfield, the uh, sort of vampire horror comedy starring Nick Cage and Nicholas Holt. This, this is sort of uh, the next film in Nick Cage's, if you like, renaissance, his rehabilitation, his his journey in towards becoming possibly the most batshit crazy performer known to man. I mean, I do think we get into a point now, quite, quite literally with his last project, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, where he's kind of cast or recruited to essentially do a Nick Cage. Um, as I say, this also stars Nick Holt. You'll know Nick Holt from The Menu. I think he was in, what was that BBC Bristol series that the kids like? Oh my God. Uh, he's also in The True History of the Ned, Ke Ned Kelly Gang. He was in Mad Max Fury Road. He's a very sort of undervalued and underappreciated aspect of what made that film so, so successful. The, the Bristol Bay series was Skins, of course. Nice little kind of uh, sort of bit of serendipity here. Nicholas Holt has also been cast and is currently uh, uh, sort of filming and is due to appear in Robert Eggers' new film, Nosferatu. So uh, whether he's playing Nosferatu, I'm not too sure, but he's in another horror film, uh, which is a sort of riff and remake and reboot, if you like, of the original Nosferatu. Um, as I say, Nick Cage coming off the back of Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. He's also been seen recently in Mandy, wielding the longest chainsaw known to man drinking vast amounts of vodka and going on a completely psychedelic journey. Uh, he was also in The Colour Out of Space, the H.P. Lovecraft Madfest, hallucinogenic in which he kept going to milk the llamas or not. And of course he was in The Pig, which actually I think was his most sort of layered and meaningful performance in which he loses a pig, uh, was once a celebrity chef and goes through a sort of heart of darkness sort of meltdown, if you like. So this is a Dracula story. This is a fun, upbeat Dracula story. I approach this a little bit like I did Mel Brooks's Young Frankenstein, I don't know if you remember that, with Gene Wilder. You know, it was going to be silly. The trailer clearly demonstrated it was going to be sort of taking the piss and we we're going to get an incredibly camp and over-the-top Nick Cage. Of course, it's called Renfield because it focuses on Nick Cage's lackey or Dracula's lackey or his his assistant or his familiar, you know, like a cat. Uh, and Renfield's job is essentially to go out, source bodies, fresh blood, so that uh, Dracula, Count Dracula, can feast upon it and sustain himself. Uh, a very quick backstory is shown, which I quite liked, which was a sort of black and white footage of him arriving at Count Dracula's castle way back when. It was riffing on the original Dracula film, so he sort of it almost gave us a sense of archival footage. Although, obviously, the footage was never archival in its day. We're also introduced to this sort of strange, curious detail about Renfield that, you know, Dracula's given him this, this, this sort of power, if you like, that when he eats an insect, he temporarily gets orange eyes uh, and has superpowers, superhuman powers and can jump, fly, hit, break people apart and all this kind of stuff. I had issues with that. I wasn't necessarily convinced. I didn't like it. Like I had a few issues actually, actually in this film where they played a bit fast and loose with the rules of engagement with vampires. I mean, one of the things I like about the classic monsters is that there are rules and regs. And I think the rules and regs around a vampire obviously are the light. We see that. Crucifixes, garlic, all this kind of stuff. But uh, things like, you know, uh, Dracula being able to drip the blood into someone does, and it re resurrects them. Was that ever a part of it? Was that ever a thing? I don't know. Anyway. But this also starts, or we're establishes quite early, that Nick Holt is is really a member of what's called, I don't think it's called that in the film, but it, you know what's regularly called a uh, codependence anonymous, which is like an AA twelve step meeting for people whose addiction is relationships, toxic relationships. Often, you're sort of held within the kind of orbit and sort of sphere of a controlling narcissist. 
And this film goes there. This film kind of says, you know, that the ultimate narcissist is Count Dracula uh, and the ultimate codependent is Nick Holt, who is, whose life is essentially meaningless unless it passes through the conduit or filter of Count Dracula, a true definition of a codependent. Um, I just have to give a shout out at this point because the chairman or the chair of the 12-step uh, recovery meeting is played by an actor called Brandon Scott Jones and he was excellent. He was excellent because they didn't send up the whole 12-step thing. You know, they're all in a, in a circle, in a meeting and they're all sharing about these awful people in their lives, often bosses. And what was quite nice was Nick Holt was there uh, because he was looking for the horrible bosses of these people to source and get for Count Dracula. Wonderful. So, you know, he'd have to go out and he'd have to find people and all this kind of malarkey. Um, so that was a funny concept, the whole codependence thing. So you get this sense of a codependent relationship between him and Dracula, and Dracula is this egotistical, you know, quite com well, very comic kind of character. And quite early on in this film, you know, it establishes uh, that really the richest aspect of this is, is Nick Cage as Count Dracula. He's by far the funniest thing in it. And I'll talk about how he was used and his presence in the film later. The, the other motif that's used at the beginning of this film is Nick Holt's character Renfield's voiceover is used. This really grated on me. I don't know what you think when you hear this. I was getting Hugh Grant vibes from his voiceover, which in and of itself isn't a bad thing. If it's in something like Four Weddings and a Funeral, it's resolutely English and what have you, but this film is in New Orleans, it's in the Deep South. It's incredibly American, everything about it is American. And then you've got this very plummy Renfield character. I'm sure it's kind of harking back to the origin story of Renfield. He was English, he probably, I think he traveled and all that kind of stuff but it really tugged against it. And I think this film would have done better to perhaps ditch ditch the voiceover because I, I found Nick Holt, it felt like he'd walked out of a sort of, it's like his voice hadn't modernised at all. But again, I guess that's partly because they're time travellers and they come from a bygone time. This film was at its best as it was at the beginning when we were exploring and witnessing and feeling and laughing at the relationship between Nick Cage and uh, Nicholas Holt. You know, Nick, Nick Cage was asking for things like, you've got to get me better bodies than these bodies. Nick Holt gets sort of caught up in a drug deal, which then becomes relevant later. And so he gets what, what I would describe as mucky bodies. He brings back mucky bodies. He, bring, he brings back the roadkill of, of the modern world, which is drug dealers. Uh, drug dealers. And, and of course, when Dracula sucks from them, it's disgusting. He bites one of their fingers and sucks the blood out. And it's not high grade or good calibre blood. So he sends him off, he says, find me, find me a school bus of cheerleaders. Find me a, a gang of nuns. Get me anything that's kind of pure and, and unadulterated and, un, and untouched by the, the horridness of modern life and all this kind of stuff. Which is why he goes to the only location in the film that felt like it was in New Orleans, which was this kind of dark bar with a kind of, you know, gruesome sort of neon light sign there. I've been to New Orleans for two nights and that for me, I, this was the one place that made me feel like I was in New Orleans. The rest of this film, it's all high high rise blocks in, I, think, I guess, is it downtown New Orleans? Usually downtown is where all the sort of business buildings are. It was a very odd New Orleans that this film presented. When if you think about it, you're dealing with a vampire, you're dealing with death. And if you think of New Orleans' huge history of sort of, you know, you know, the dark arts of kind of death and celebrating death and all that kind of stuff. There's a sort of rich, there's a rich sort of ambience and there could have been a rich set of, a sense of place that could have pivoted around evil and darkness and all, you know, dark magic and all that kind of stuff. But it avoided all of that. This film felt, well, it did feel like it was doing brilliantly, but it was doing okay. It was amusing. It was fun. I liked the shtick. We were getting to know the relationship. And then it's like the film did an enormous handbrake turn and became obsessed with basically a drug dealing cops and robbers scenario. Q Aquafina comes in, wonderful comedian, actress. Uh, she's very funny. She's very sort of New York-y. She's very sort of cool. You know, her voice is very sort of street and all that. I know she's coming for a bit of stick about her voice. 
And she becomes this kind of awkward and strange potential love interest with Nick Holt because she becomes she becomes aware that actually he's doing good things, but he's doing them in quite dramatic ways. The blood quoting in this film is massive. So when Nick Holt, a, a sort of big scene develops in this place where he's gone to get uh, cheerleaders and nuns, which very funnily, they, they all in accidentally arrive, don't they, as kind, of, uh, as kind of guests or customers at this bar. But when Aquafina is called out to a sort of a fracas in the bar, she sees that Nick Holt has got these remarkable powers and he's able to kind of kill people with forks and take their arms off with serving trays and all this kind of stuff. But he's, he's essentially he's done it for good, hasn't he? He's, he's sort of protected her, saved her life, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, even Nick Holt's story arc would have been nicer just sat with a little bit more where he's beginning to think, oh, maybe I can turn my skills to good. Maybe I can be drawn to innocence and kindness and nice things. I like that. And we should have. And then the film could have been a tug of war between Dracula, played by Nick Cage, and, and Nick Holt, seeing the light and turning away from Nick Cage. But it became bogged down in this strange drug deal. Suddenly we've got this drug cartel. Which, incidentally, there was one performer or one actor who was part of this, who was the son of, not the godfather at the head of this drugs cartel, but the godmother. Um, and the son was played by Ben Schwartz. He's excellent. He's really good. He plays this sort of hapless, erstwhile, sort of nepotistic son of a massive drug dealer who's useless. He, he can't achieve anything. He, he's absolutely crap. But he, he makes a good villain. And he kind of, you know, by the seat of his pants, he keeps surviving scraps and sort of getting through and all his kind of henchmen keep getting shot and all this kind of stuff. And so the film became a sort of very uninteresting and very unexciting trudge through a kind of who done it, who's got the drugs, how can we get them? Uh, Dracula sort of falls on the side of, of the drug dealers. Uh, he wants to try and get Nick Holt back. He tries to use the, you know, the son of the drug cartel woman to become his new familiar. And it just lost its kind of, it just lost its mojo for me at that point. You know, for example, there's a really strong scene where Nick Holt's finally moved out. He's found himself a little apartment and Nick Cage goes to see him. Dracula goes to see him and there's a very you know it's a short scene but it's a very funny scene which is what I think in this one scene what more of the film could have been which was you could see Count Dracula trying to control his malevolence and his evil and his desire to do unspeakable things with those remarkable teeth in Nick Cage's face but he kept trying to calm himself down and now Nick Holt was reading to him from a sort of wellness book which I thought was going to become a sort of curious replacement for the bible that whenever you talk wellness and mindfulness and kind of you know uh, manifestation and sort of holistic yoga stuff you know uh, Count Dracula was going to start to fizz and bubble and die and all this kind of stuff. So this film was always, for me, at its best when Nick Cage was on screen. Nick Holt is serviceable. He he drives the film. But dare I say that the biggest mistake this film makes is plopping Renfield, Nick Holt, centre stage and keeping off stage for huge swathes of this film. I mean, I think there was more in the end of the drug dealers and the, and the godmother or the leader of the drugs cartel than there was in the end of, of Dracula or Nick Cage. Did they make a huge error in concentrating on Renfield and not concentrating on their greatest asset in many regards, which was Nick Cage as Dracula? We needed more of it. We absolutely needed more of it. As I say, my, one of my favourite scenes was the scene in Nick Holt's flat where Dracula tries to woo him back. I think they could have had so much fun with this. It reminded me years ago, of, or I thought of a film years ago, which was, it will be terrible now, but it was called Love at First Bite. It was the actor George Hamilton, I think, you know, the incredibly sort of aquiline, pretty looking man. Um, there was a great line in here, which kind of again pointed towards what this film could have been about, where I think Nick Cage throws it over his shoulder at Nick Holt, which is something along the lines of life today is all about followers 
and food. Obviously, he feeds off people. Um, but followers, you know, the idea of social media. I, I would have liked to have seen, and I think this would have been a much stronger film, if they'd concentrated on simply charting the ways in which both Nick Holt and Nick Cage, as Dracula and Renfield, adjusted to the modern world. Or, you know, the modern world of social media, swiping right. I mean, you could have had all, all sorts of fun with finding Dracula a partner or, you know, Renfield, you know, struggling to find the good side, though that is part of what this film is about. But you could have had it presented more as a kind of yin and a yang to, um, to Dracula. It's a very funny line in the film about yin and yang. I think it would have been a really successful film and a funny film uh, and a cleverer film if they'd concentrated on that uh, and not let it descend into a really uninteresting drug-dealing villain caper. Um, but there we go. What did you think? If you've seen it, what do you think? I think they missed a beat here, but whenever Nick Cage is on screen, he's funny. He's not funny enough, but I think that is more about the script. I don't think the script was particularly brilliant. Um, and as I say, I thought the 12-step program, the whole CODA, codependent thing is brilliant. I think the story arc on the codependency thing is very good. Uh, and I think, they could, again, they could have had much more fun with the whole narcissism thing, the evil boss. I mean, obviously that's there, but that could have been what this film was about. They didn't need the drug-dealing madness. They just needed to park them in modern life and it would have been much richer. Um, interestingly, even Nick Cage's best bits were the moments where they kept in clearly moments which he will have said, trust me on this, and he's just batshit crazy. He just says weird shit and does weird things. Could have done with more of, the, more of that. His teeth are great. His teeth are disgusting and his teeth are a sort of almost the main event in this film. And so what would I give this film? Uh, I would have to give this film 63. Oh, and how can I do a review of Renfield without explaining? Some of the body horror and gore is phenomenal. I mean, it's a 15 and it's kind of comic. It's so ridiculous, it's so extreme, it's comic. But I have never seen, and I've always wondered whether this was possible. Someone has their arms pulled off and then Nick Holt uses them as spears to throw at someone else. And one of the arms kills someone by impaling them and sticking them to a wall or a door. Think about that. Quite something. Someone is pushed into the chest by Nick Holt's feet. You see it in the trailer. And his arms come off. And it's his arms that are used as a javelin. An arm used as a javelin. And the showing bone from within that arm skewers someone to a wall. I mean, you've got to give a shout out. This, this film has incredibly inventive ways of dispatching with people. <laughs>